Hello and thanks for joining me on Search for Truth Radio today. It's great to have your company. Last week we took a look with Brian, our Bible teacher, into how God intervenes in history, or rather, how he controls historical events. Many people these days keep a diary, and perhaps you do too, both to record what has or is happening and to keep a to-do list of the events and tasks to give our attention to in the future. I use that as a way of explaining, rather feebly perhaps, how God controls history. After all, it's his story. He is the author of it and knows how it will end when time is done. That's a demonstration of God's awesome sovereignty and it's Brian's subject now in his study talk called Unscripted Preparations for the Fullness of the Time. And now it's time for Brian. Thanks, John. The Gospels open the New Testament by announcing that the fullness of time had come. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. In other words, God was about to reveal his Messiah to the world. Prior to this, the Old Testament records the time in which God was preparing the world for the coming of his Son. As Paul would later say, the Jewish law given through Moses was to be like a tutor leading a pupil to the Messiah. Then, when the fullness of the time came, Galatians 4 verse 4, God sent his Son. His coming would end 400 years of silence between Old and New Testaments. First, let's rewind a little. The reconstruction of the walls of Jerusalem was completed in 444 BC under the leadership of Nehemiah. After that, the exiles who'd returned from captivity in Babylon struggled to survive in the ancient Near East. This was because their land was a hotly contested land bridge between major military powers in the region. Still, the 400 years between the prophet Malachi and the birth of Christ were important years in the history of Israel. During them, the Israel nation witnessed the fall of the Persian Empire, the rise and fall of the Greek Empire, and the rise of the Roman Empire. Not only witnessed, but they were caught up in these happenings. It's the hallmark of deity that God can write up the future just as easily as the past. The 11th chapter of the book of the prophet Daniel begins in verse 2. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia. Then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. As soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece. And a mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. But as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom will be broken up. Daniel is informed there that the present leadership in the Persian Empire would be succeeded by four rulers. Xerxes, the fourth, was the most influential, and during his reign he fought wars against Greece. The mighty king who would arise was Alexander the Great. The Persian Empire remained the dominant power in the ancient Near East until it was conquered by Alexander the Great. Alexander was the son of Philip of Macedon and the pupil of the Greek philosopher Aristotle, just as Aristotle had been the pupil of Plato and Plato the pupil of Socrates. Scientists and philosophers accompanied Alexander 
in his conquest of the ancient world in order to help Aristotle try to unify all branches of knowledge. Throughout his empire, Alexander emphasised Hellenism, which was the spread of Greek language and culture. This was to prepare the way for the New Testament to be written in Greek. So it was to turn out. After the death of Alexander, the Grecian Empire later came to be divided between two main dynasties, one ruling Egypt to the south and the other to the north of Israel, ruling Syria and modern Turkey. After initial conquest of Israel by the Egypt-based dynasty, the northern dynasty, with its strong Greek influence, took over Israel in 198 BC. Its leader at that time began to accelerate the process of Hellenization in Israel. This was fiercely opposed by conservative Jews. The Hasidim, or pious ones, fought in vain against this growing influence of the Greek culture on the Jews. Many groups struggled to maintain the purity of their traditions, including the Pharisees, who appear frequently in the New Testament. The Pharisees, or separated ones, were zealous for the covenant and tried to be obedient to every aspect of the law, but they degenerated into self-righteous legalism and ritualism by the time of Christ and the Gospels. The next section of the long 11th chapter of Daniel describes the conflicts between succeeding kings of these regional powers to the north and south of Israel. During all this, the land of Israel was invaded first by one power and then by the other. Although we've no time to examine the details, every scriptural statement made in this section has had its precise fulfilment in history. In the first 35 verses of Daniel chapter 11, some 135 predictions were made, which were all subsequently realised in history. Then the spotlight falls dramatically on one leader, named in history as Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who became the king of the northern power in 175 BC. He considered himself a god and ended his years in insanity. This man began a radically anti-Jewish programme in Palestine. When he experienced setbacks at the hand of his southern rival, Antiochus took out his frustration on the Jews, on the city of Jerusalem and on their temple. After all, Israel's territory lay between the two hostile kings. He vented his fury against the law of Moses and desecrated the temple and put a stop to the daily sacrifice. Here's what the prophet Daniel had predicted in verse 31 of chapter 11. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress and do away with the regular sacrifice. And they will set up the abomination of desolation. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. In trying to get rid of Judaism and enforce Greek culture on the Jews, Antiochus banned the Jews from following their religious practices and ordered copies of the law to be burned. Worst of all, on the 16th of December in the year 167 BC, he built an altar to Zeus on the altar of burnt offering outside the Jewish temple and offered a pig on it. He fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy about setting up the abomination that makes desolate. Antiochus 
promised apostate Jews great reward if they would set aside their God and instead worship the God of Greece. Many were persuaded by his flattering promises and worshipped the false God, but a small remnant remained faithful. The Jews who refused to submit to Antiochus' false religious system were persecuted and martyred. In 166 BC, a man by the name of Mattathias refused to submit to this false religious system. He and his sons fled from Jerusalem to the mountains and began the so-called Maccabean Revolt in 164 BC. The Maccabean family launched a guerrilla war against the forces of Antiochus. After the death of Mattathias, leadership of the revolt fell to his third son, Judas, the hammer Maccabeus. The Maccabean Revolt succeeded in securing concessions from Antiochus, including religious freedom and opening the temple for religious services. The reopening and rededication of the temple is still commemorated today in the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. The Jews secured their freedom in 142 BC from foreign powers and remained independent until 63 BC when the Romans conquered them under the command of Pompey the Great. He was a member of Rome's first great triumvirate. An Edomite chieftain named Herod the Great was appointed as a local king over the Jews in 40 BC. He founded a dynasty and rebuilt the Jerusalem temple, having been appointed by Mark Antony and Octavius, or in other words, Caesar Augustus. And so the New Testament opens with the Jewish people under the domination of the Romans and an oppressive king. But in the bigger picture, the whole Roman Empire was under the protection of Roman law. The Romans built roads all over the empire in order to quickly transport their troops from one place to another. Christians would come to use these very same roads to take the gospel easily to the four corners of the empire. And they were able to do it fairly safely because the roads were protected by Roman troops. So this was a time perfectly suited in the sovereign providence of Almighty God for the introduction of the gospel. There was now nothing to prevent the preacher of a new faith going from city to city and from country to country. It was due time for Christ to be born. As we've seen, Alexander had earlier extended Greek civilization in the then known world. God had spread a language that was to become the vehicle of the gospel, the Greek language. The books of the New Testament were originally written in Greek, and so the Apostle Paul could later stand and speak one language in Israel, Syria, Turkey, Greece, Italy, and wherever else he ventured. One language and be understood by all. What's more, Rome did spread law and order. Her strength lay in the area of executive power and organisation. She gave a system of government and justice to every people, tribe and nation of the known world. Also, as we said, the Romans famously built roads that allowed commerce and communication. God would seem to have made sure of that, because over those roads, the gospel was to go to the hinterlands. Under Rome's influence, a form of civilised peace held sway. With resilient Judaism, faithful at its core, and fired with messianic expectation, and with the Greek legacy of a rich language and inquiring minds, and with the Roman ongoing contribution of organised travel routes with relatively peaceful law and order, 
we can now fully appreciate that the fullness of the time had indeed come. It was then, as planned, that God sent his son into this world. God sent his Thanks, Brian, for your talk. Now, remember, these study talks are available for you to download online or as a transcript book. So here's how to obtain the book. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy, as I just said, from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Or if you're not able to do that and need to request a copy of the hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title our God reigns. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Our time's almost up, but it's been great to enjoy your company today. So thanks for your time and your interest. I look forward to your companionship again next week when Brian will be looking into the scriptures to understand how the death of Christ was foreordained or predestined. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you. Just because he is